Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me! Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris. And I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Today, we are talking an Amazon original movie, The Tomorrow War. Not an Amazon original. One of the higher profile uh, casualties of coronavirus for the theatrical release. It finished just before coronavirus hit and then slated to be released in summer and then got pushed back again and ultimately sold to Amazon for 200 million bucks. 200 mil? That's it? What was the price tag? I don't know. But there were times when there was nothing on the screen but CG. There were a lot of white spikes for um, 200 mil. Yep. So this is a request for my buddy Derek Liu. But I watched the trailer and I was like, well, I was a bit more reserved. Yeah, sure. We can do that because I watched the trailer and it looked terrible. Is he a sci-fi action nerd like Brian? Yeah, we bonded over uh, Stranger Things and stuff. Brian's a sci-fi action nerd? Yeah, he's like, this is my favorite movie ever. (laughs) like he's just this is just the movie that he wants to watch this is why you've been so resistant ever since we started this thing to review edge of tomorrow (laughs) this might as well have been the edge of tomorrow war the edge of tomorrow war yeah the tomorrow war is better than king kong the tomorrow war is better way better than army of the dead although totally the same vibe it was like army of the dead meets a quiet place part two (laughs) which is very very loud Speaking of which, part of the experience of this movie, you know, because the White Claws or whatever are super... White spikes. What are they? <laughs> whatever. They're not a hard seltzer. Right. Part of their scariness is their scary soundingness. And this was a markedly bad audio mix. This audio sucked. We watched it on Brian's new laptop and it came through pretty clearly. It was pretty good laptop watch, actually. So you jacked up the volume and you had subtitles on? Tell me you did. I didn't have the subtitles on. No, we were writing it loud enough so that we could hear what they were saying. And so when the war scenes came up, it almost drowned out our ability to yell at each other. (laughs) Yell at each other? Like comment yell at each other? Or like um, we're having an argument about the Tomorrow War yelling at each other? No, we were just like, this audio sucks. So were you familiar with Yvonne, the Murray character? 
I was familiar with Yvonne Strahovski from Dexter. She plays a pretty evil baddie on The Handmaid's Tale. And it was hard to adjust my thinking to see her as this colonel scientist daughter hero. That wasn't a surprise at all, right? I don't think they played it as a surprise. Oh, my God. That was... So <laughs> he's like, Colonel Forrester, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh, it's just Dan, but, uh, you know, not a colonel yet. And then I was like, oh, it's his daughter. And then five minutes later, Brian turns to me and is like, is that his daughter? <laughs> and then like two minutes later, Chris Pratt is like are you my daughter? <laughs> I was like, dude, you guys are really slow on the uptake here. Man. Men. Speaking of men, wasn't this movie maybe a little bit sexist? They're like, you're drafted. And he has to go get his little armband or whatever. But uh, why didn't the wife get drafted? Seems like there were a lot of female soldiers. Mm, I think maybe because she wasn't going to die in the next seven years. Oh, right. Because it was selected that way. I thought the car crash excuse was a little bit thin. It was just kind of arbitrary. Like it wasn't going to be a thing or he found a thing and then they turned against him or whatever. So this is his redemption because he was a scientist. Yeah. I mean, he was a school teacher, aspiring lab scientist. But I think that the car crash simply made him eligible. But otherwise it was Murray, Mary, Murray, Murray. (laughs) Murray, right? Murray. Murray wanted to give her dad a chance at redemption. I got the impression that it was her doing, bringing him there, um, because it wasn't a coincidence that she had a special purpose for him. And I thought, how much of this is coincidence? Like how much, because we're setting up a lot and uh, we're getting doofy Chris Pratt, who's going to be, who's maybe, may or may not be ex-military, don't know, don't care. But there's a lot of stuff. And out of the blue, what's his nuts? It's like, you know, it's my jam, volcanoes. And I'm like, okay, so maybe Chris Pratt died in a volcano. It's a little bit of clunky setup. But here's what I settled on. Lieutenant Dan and Bubba, who disappeared for like half the movie. And when he finally caught up with Bubba, I thought Bubba was dead. And he was like, I was hiding. So Bubba's there for comic relief or whatever. But this was Lieutenant Dan goes to war. Because just like Forrest... His name was Dan Forrester, for God's sake. (laughs) And he's surrounded by everybody close to him impacts history in one way or another. His dad is the convenient pilot. His kid grows up to be John Connor. He is the science that the world needs. Between the two of them, his immediate family are all directly responsible for the the saving or the losing of humanity. And then his student is like the the resident volcano expert, so much so that they bypass all the experts. And they're like, I know a guy who knows about volcanoes. Let's go have him save the world. It's like the insular group. Never, exactly, yeah. No, they had to keep it all in the family. The family's right. going to save the world. So much so that they keep it to the little tight group that goes to the alien ship, like the thing in the Arctic in the Midnight Sky sequence in the second half that was tacked on to this movie. Oh, when they go to Prometheus? Yeah. It's like the secret would die with them. They don't communicate the discovery of it to anybody else in the world. They're like, these things are terrible. He has the only viable poison sample. The vial which doesn't get used, which they drop entirely. They're, we're going to kill him instead. We're going to take him out like Sarah Connor. And then that vial thing that we've been working for the whole movie that my kid died for, we're going to go another way with this movie. <laughs> well, it's not cool to kill aliens with, with poison. No, you got to have hand-to-hand combat. you got to punch out and dropkick the alien for maximum cinematic effect. There was a lot of Chris Pratt flying in from off screen to save people. Oh, the, the one that comes to mind is the snowmobile swipe. I think it was going to eat its dad, his dad or something. 
Uh, but I had to, I have to just go back for a second. You were going all conspiracy Santa on me. Was there more to that? <laughs> just about the Forrest Gump connections. It's just like he seems to move through history having direct impact on everything that happens around him. That and I like calling him Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> and the Bubba thing is, is not bad, except that the guy, A, talked funny, and B, was really only there for comic relief and maybe a little bit of scientific exposition. I mean, wasn't Chris Pratt comic relief? I mean, the tone really made me think of Army of the Dead, which never really worked for me. Um, this whole sci-fi horror action comedy thing. It was a little bit more balanced in, in The Tomorrow War, but did the attempt at comedy work for you? First of all, stop trying to make Army of the Dead work. I'm not watching that movie. I'm not spending four hours of my life watching Zack Snyder's Justice League either. It's just not going to happen. Tonally, I thought Chris Pratt started off pretty doofy. I was like, man, his cuteness thing is wearing pretty thin pretty quickly. But when they got to the beefcakiness, it seemed like everything was in place. And he was like, really, guys? Do we need to take the shirt off? Okay. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't want to do that shirtless scene. It's obligatory and, you know, funny. <laughs> Except he's an executive producer on this movie. He wants the shirtless thing. And he's likable, but it's tenuous. It's running a little th bit threadbare. He maintains the Jennifer Lawrence likability and one bad turn, and it's going to hurt him, I think. It's going to be all over. Uh, do you think that he was the one that mandated that J.K. Simmons get all jacked? Because, dude. I really like this story. Who's the director? I keep saying Adam McKay. <laughs> it is a McKay, but it's a Chris. Chris McKay. I really like this story. So six years ago, four years ago, something like that, J.K. Simmons posted a video of him getting super jacked. He's got a long, bushy white beard and a shaved head. Or, you know, his hair is cropped close because he's bald, but he's like bulging biceps. And I was like, whoa, what movie is that for? I want to see whatever movie that is because J.K. Simmons is a badass. And when I saw him in this, I was like, that's what that was for that was a long time ago this jack jk simmons look but okay whatever so i wondered how long this movie had been on the shelf but it turns out that chris mckay saw that picture and was like that's exactly the dad character i need called jk simmons and was like hey i don't know what kind of shape you're in now but can you do that jacked thing and grow your beard out again and he's like yeah he, no he was like mm, let me check my farmer's insurance schedule <laughs> well Hey, that's Academy Award-winning actor J.K. Simmons, man. Have some respect. You don't see, like, Sam Jackson or whatever doing insurance commercials. No, that was a credit card. But also, he says that he's trying to, you know, maintain good shape at his age no matter what. But this character, the dad character, is J.K. Simmons based on himself from a few years ago. So it wasn't for this role that he got... No, oh, it was it just... Was... It was random. So he grew his beard out again and maintained his jackedness. <laughs> jackedness because i was like dude jk simmons looks tough and he kind of reminded me of stephen lang from avatar but then when you see him next to chris pratt he looks a little puny because chris pratt not only is yeah he's not only like toned or whatever but he's beefcakey like he's kind of got he's kind of a big dude yeah i guess so no he was a kind of a chunkster a little bit and then he got all cut for the jurassic worlds yeah so this reminded me a lot of i mean like he had a lot of practice for this movie with the jurassic worlds like working with the CG. This reminded me of all the things. We could just list them. We could just go on and on about all the movies that this borrowed from. Yep. But you're saying you like the story, despite it being kind of recycled story material? Well, you know me. I like time travel movies. And if they can make them clever, which I'm not saying that this one necessarily did, I like the convention, even as trite as it was, that, oh, it's his daughter or whatever. I expected the wife to show up later, there to be some drama about what happened with her. 
just the general concept fast scary fighty monsters uh very aliens edge of tomorrow kind of feel i like all that stuff the thing and uh it felt like it was a series that was made into a movie and took all these random parts from three seasons worth of some James Cameron knockoff show and combined into a movie. But it had the time travel elements of Terminator. It definitely had the, the colonial Marines from Aliens. It had the theme of Aliens in general. The monsters like were straight out of Stranger Things meets A Quiet Place. It was just all the monsters. And so when you take all those disparate elements, if you take the right ones that are cool, it's maybe pretty hard to mess it up because you're playing to a specific audience and catering to fans of all these kind of movies that we're referencing. And if you don't do that successfully, you're going to alienate that, get to alienate that audience. I, I mean, I guess maybe you'd find people who are like, this is my favorite movie ever because I've never seen any other movie like it. Because it's not free on Amazon Prime. <laughs> kind of like The Way Back, where it's like, that would be a really great dramatic film if you haven't seen any other drama before. And so Standing Alone, does, is this a great, I mean, take it easy with great. But Kelly was like, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Because again, the trailer made it look like knockoff garbage. I was definitely in it because I wasn't like all annoyed. But instead, I was asking questions that exemplified that I was actually immersed in the story. Like I was all upset. I was like, why is he so insistent about saving future Mary? Mary? I cannot get that name right. I want to say Murray. Murray. It was Murray. I think it was short for America. America. <laughs> Fourth of July movie. Why was he so, why was Chris Pratt, why was Chris Pratt so obsessed <laughs> about saving future Mary instead of just going back to the past and saving the world, which would thereby save for future Mary? I don't know. It was all the same effect, right? If he disappears in mid-leap where he inexplicably follows her down when she's falling to her certain death in a sea teeming with aliens, she's going to die anyway as soon as he disappears. Going back won't save her. Yeah, but if he died... If one of those white spikes jumped up and killed him as he was transitioning, then everybody would have died. Like, he didn't seem to understand that she wanted to save him so that he could save the world. Right. But he was still, he was still so insistent on wanting to save future Murray because he was, like, in dad mode. Yeah, it wasn't fear of dying, but rather he's following her down and she's looking up at him like, you son of a bitch. Like, why did I even bother? <laughs> Fear does not factor into this movie at all. Remember when we talked about how the characters have to be scared in order for a movie to qualify as a horror film? Yes. He was not scared one iota. Instead, he and his compatriots had all these smart alecky repartee. It's like there wasn't any fear, which was the clear signal to me that this wasn't supposed to be scary. This is firmly an action comedy you know, I didn't even consider it. I got no vibes of horror whatsoever. In the same way that James Cameron's Aliens doesn't read as horror to me. Not even Bill Paxton's fear reads as genuine, you know? But at least they imitated fear. Like, other than the, like, shit tirade where he's like, shit, 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 Yeah, shit, which shit, I think shit. got it in R. It was R-rated, right? Uh, he drops one very well-timed F-bomb. I, I do remember that. It doesn't matter, though. <sighs> There's no policing of... You know, for all the, hey, we're not going to sell you a ticket for an, an R-rated movie if you're 13 years old or whatever in the theater. None of that matters with streaming. It's true. But it was PG-13. You could, you're allowed one F-bomb. And this was PG-13. And 17 shits? Okay. And probably more. We're going to get a parental advisory sticker on this uh, on this episode alone for this. 
Yeah, I, I, if we have any cursing whatsoever, I mark it as explicit, and I actually wonder if that hurts our. Really? Yeah, because I, because ha- I have to, and I don't want to like get dinged or something. But I think at some point we might want to like scrub all the episodes and uh, and just make them as widely accessible as no, possible. I'm, I'm the talent. Right. So he's like attempting fear, but really it's comedy. Right. I mean, there were scary elements, but it was more intense and not really frightening. So I kind of felt like this movie was pretty, I mean, for as ridiculous as it is, it was pretty grounded for the first, I don't know, two thirds. And then (laughs) when he gets back from his tour, I was like, really? They're going to go find an ice cube in a snowfield? Yeah, it was a completely different movie, dude. It was a completely different movie. And I kind of felt like it jumped the spike. Jumped the spike. Like it's like Lieutenant Dan and the Deathly White Claws, parts one and two. White spikes. Whatever. Kelly was like, "Did we start a whole new movie? Is it halfway through?" And she got up and went to the bathroom. There's like a half an hour left because what happened is the screenwriters called the all the influences, put them on a board, and people were like, "You haven't represented the thing yet. You haven't represented yeah, like- Midnight Sky yet." They're going to go out to Outpost 31? Exactly. We're completely changing directions for how we're going to solve this problem, despite what we've been building to the whole time. I mean, I guess they were building up the hand-to-hand combat on the edge of the cliff. And then tonally, I would have expected him to be, you know, he's a family man or whatever, and he's in the heartland, and he's got to step up and take his place in the, it was like Mulan. He has to take his place in the army to spare his family. And then it became not just a different movie visually, but kind of tonally. Like, it didn't seem to fit. It was bolted on, as Eric said. It's like the filmmakers wanted to make a point where they were like, we're really not taking ourselves that seriously. Or too seriously. Kelly was like, did this become like a global warming movie? (laughs) And, (laughs) And then I thought about that. And I realized that this is actually in favor of global warming. No, we don't want global warming because we don't want the Russian snow to melt that to unearth the aliens. Yeah, we do. We, we want global warming to happen so that this Russian snow will melt so we can pinpoint the White Stripes emergence point where they landed. White all the- spikes. Whatever. No, no. We, wanted them, we want them to stay frozen in suspended animation and frozen. Never would have been able to find them if it hadn't been narrowed down to that one area. What were those devilly things that were hanging upside down? That's the crew, man. We Because like Prometheus or the Thing or Predator or whatever, these were cargo. These were planet-clearing aliens. And maybe once they do their things, for some, somehow those things, those other aliens, the nine non-White Claw ones were, the, I don't know that they were humanoid, but they had some measure of control over the bad ones because they could contain them in the pod. They could unleash them on worlds. And once they clear the worlds, presumably their job was done. And then these other aliens could do whatever they came to do in the first place. So when they're on the seesaw and they find the researchers and they're all strung up, I figured that was something that the white spikes do to their victims. That's a predator thing. man. I don't know. Murray said if they're dead or if they're maybe she said they're, if they're hanging or something like that. She's like, if they're dead, they're coming back. But I think she meant that the white spikes were going to come back, presumably to eat the researchers. Yes, because that's what they do. That at least is the impression I got as well. Okay, so then why were the other aliens, the ones that were in charge of the white spikes, or who at least, or who at least shuttled them to Earth for whatever destroy mission they were on, why were they hanging upside down? Did the white spikes get to them? Yeah, well, who hung them upside down? None of them were loose yet. 
That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm asking. Maybe that's how they sleep. Maybe these aliens are like bats. Oh, they did look kind of like gargoyly, but the, all of the white spikes were, they hadn't been unleashed yet. They were all in their pods. Right. In trying to preemptively destroy them, they might have unleashed them. Almost did because the mom got away. Yeah. Until Chris Pratt sideswiped her on the snowmobile. <laughs> and then like punched her in the face and yep. then like Repeatedly poisoned her dodged, in the mouth. Dodged the, uh, the projectiles and the tentacles and stuff. If, in fact, you're drawn to a movie like The Tomorrow War because it's, it's you're a fan of this genre, you see all the bolted together, all the nuts and bolts, the body parts that make up this Frankenstein of a monster movie. There's such a thing as a, the Frankenbite, right, where you cobble together a whole bunch of bites to make one soundbite. Hey, that's reality TV secrets. Whatever you do, don't Google Frankenbite. So it's like the this is the Franken movie. I'll go with that. And look, if you can bolt those pieces together, sometimes you get a living, breathing thing that is never really going to pass for an original, but could make somebody happy, could give one little girl a flower somewhere. Somebody somewhere is saying that The Tomorrow War is their favorite movie of all time. So the Franken movie, was it worth the 200 million? I mean... Do you value your Prime membership that much more because it brought to you The Tomorrow War? Look, my birthday movies around the 4th of July have always been hit or miss. So it's not fair to say that I was relieved because it didn't suck as much as I... Because, I mean, I've had everything from Armageddon to Contact to Independence Day. I saw The Hurt Locker on my birthday, which ended up winning Best Picture over Avatar. But then I also got, like, Wild Wild West. And if I had gone to the theaters this year, it would have been fascinating. I'm not making any passing any judgment on that movie because I haven't seen it. But Tomorrow War for a big movie, we've long talked about how a little bit worrying it is when a big movie suddenly lands on a streamer. Like that's not where this belongs, but maybe it kind of is. If you were Chris Pratt and you were one of many executive producers who met in a room and were like, guys, so do we want to sell this thing and chalk up everything to for 200 million to Amazon? They decided to do that. And maybe they weighed their ability to draw a return from the theaters with the uncertainty of COVID. Maybe it was a good move, but uh, you too, they sold their album exclusively to Tim Cook for release and inclusion. Do you remember this? Everybody who buys an iPhone will have a free copy of U2's latest album. People were all mad. They weren't mad that they got free music. They were mad that it was automatically downloaded onto their phones and put in their iTunes library. And until they complained, undeletable. Oh, man. And so we got Tomorrow War, and it's all over the place. And even Tomorrow War was put on the cardboard of Amazon Prime delivery boxes to promote this movie. So it's not like they didn't go all out. But sometimes you have to weigh, how much is this movie worth it to us? We get a guaranteed 200 mil to sell to Prime to what for what they did. And I'm sure that they'll make a boatload about it, you know, probably in large part because we're talking about it. But as movies go, I've seen some real stinkers. And this one wasn't so stinky. I mean, it reeked of certain other elements, but it's not like it did it badly. I not not necessarily. I felt like it was it was a little bit clunky in parts, but as we had discussed before, it was a rocket ship that's all nuts and bolts and really creaky, but it gets you there. 
it seems like this is the movie that everybody needed for 4th of July or whatever. It was like Independence Day Deluxe. I don't know that, that space creatures need to be all teeth and projectile claws or whatever. They were pretty dinosaur-y. Yeah, and for as long as they kept it away from us, they did the very deliberate Edge of Tomorrow intro with the news footage. And they took things from disasters and protests and things and they made it into this worldwide panic that this it was lifted straight straight out of that movie and they kept these monsters a secret we can't tell you how scary they are because they'll scare your pants off and then they showed him in great and vivid detail there was no mystery about these creatures they weren't too fast they weren't too in the shadows we were all up in them teeth and gums because they were all up in the screen like like doing it might as well have been in 3d right snapping in our face yeah, they were all upon. But the whole secrecy thing was bizarro to me. Like in this world where everything is available on social media instantly, right. nobody knew anything about these things. No one had taken a selfie, you know, on and, a tour. No one. <laughs> and they were in the trailer. Like I, I get what you're saying for the character purposes, but for viewer purposes too. They showed them in the trailer and then we had to wait to find out what they were all about. I don't know. Was it effective? Sure. You talk up a thing and you get a picture in your head that's infinitely scarier than whatever the bird box monster was going to be. But maybe we need like a big war to galvanize humanity. Like we're all torn apart. And if we only come together, we can help each other to save each other. Like they said when they popped out in the middle of the football game or whatever, the soccer match. Yeah, nothing like uniting over a common enemy. I mean, would you fight a war? Set 30 years. Was it 30 years or 50 years? It was 30. 30 years, right? But he didn't have a choice, dude. He was like, you're drafted. And he was like, oh, I'm drafted? Let me go see what all this is about. Maybe I can talk it through. Maybe I can be a science officer. Nope. Put his arm in the thing, clamp the thing. And if you, you know, you're going to prison if you try to tamper with this thing. You would have thought that, I mean, given how aggressively they were drafting and whatnot that the Forrester family would have had a little bit of a plan. She was like shocked that he got drafted and then was suddenly trying to figure out what they would like if don't you see this coming in plan if you're going to run like more than 24 hours in advance. Yeah, and you can't run with the house arrest bracelet on. If she was as anti-draft, like if she was all draft dodgery as she was made out to be, then you would have thought that there would have been a little forethought. I think that this movie had way too much forethought. Maybe they did the thing where they wrote it by committee and they had all these ideas and they're like, we're going to cram as much as we possibly can into a two hour, 13 minute runtime. And we'll see where we come out in the end. You know what I did appreciate about the Tomorrow War? What's up? Because, spoiler, I'm going to give Tomorrow War a fairly decent all right rating. Like, it didn't anger me. I wasn't disgusted. I wasn't bored. I could see the seams, and it was a little bit clunky. But I'll tell you what would have killed it almost immediately for me. There was no religious zealotry or nut jobbery. There weren't cults of people, the war purists or whatever, you know, the the doomsday purists. Like not even a news blip of them. Yeah, I, I was braced for it. Mass religious hysteria, the forming of cults, the people who were going to try to get in the way of the destiny. Maybe these creatures were sent by God to kill the sinners, blah, blah, blah. I hate that shit. And, we, and Tomorrow War was blissfully free of that as much as Chris Pratt is a religious nut job himself. All right. Let's name all the movies that The Tomorrow War borrows from. I'll go, you go. Go. Midnight Sky. World War Z. Yep. You know, this was almost World War A. Oh, World War Alien. Obviously, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow War. Alien. The Thing. Prometheus. Forrest Gump. (laughs) 
Back to the Future. Uh, sure. Titanic. Wait, wait, what? Dude, nobody could have survived that fall in the beginning. I get that it was a, a, a bad drop, but even landing in the swimming pool, there's no way he survived. And the people were like falling and, and caroming off the building and stuff like Titanic. Oh, yeah. And they like hit the edge of the yep. building on their way down. Edge of the turbine. You go tumbling and that's how you know they're dead. <laughs> Army of the dead. I stopped trying to make Army of the dead happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, let's see. Definitely Terminator. A Quiet Place. Oh, man. Contact, but with toothier what? aliens. Oh, Independence Day. I just stole that from you. The, my whole issue with this movie is if you know the stuff that this movie draws from, then you generally know what's going to happen. I thought for a second that Dan Forrester might have died, but we knew that J.K. Simmons wasn't going to die because he was estranged and you're never going to meet the daughter until you meet the daughter at the end. Okay, so you give The Tomorrow War an, an all right. Yeah, I mean, as long as you don't completely disappoint me and make me mad for a birthday movie. Are you sure you're not saying that just because of Derek? No, I'm not saying Derek. I'm telling you, man, Derek knows what we do. And and if we haven't given uh, credence to well, you have, but I haven't given credence to, to movies unjustly. And I'm not about okay. to start now. I said at the top of this review that it was better than King Kong and it was. And I gave King Kong a good, but I'm still going to give the Tomorrow War a good. Speaking of which, same guy, one of the creature designers. And it was very heavily, like you got the Godzilla ropey throat, saliva strings, like warbly tonsils kind of vibe from the uh, from the White Stripes. He was totally the dude the white who, was, spikes. who designed a lot of the, the, who designed the characters for Godzilla versus Kong. Oh yeah, I kept on calling it Kong, but it's Godzilla versus Kong. I think we should go out on a White Stripes queue since okay. you like to... All right, I'll put it in there. I will go have some white claws as we Wait, talk about the white stripes. Seven Nation Army it is, even though these all seem to be Americans. So is that our review on the Tomorrow War? Yep. Way less volcanoes than I thought there would be in it. Uh, 818-835-0473. You have no excuse not to see the Tomorrow War. Not only because it was it was all right and good worthy, but you, you have Amazon Prime. Everyone has Amazon Quote Prime. Quote unquote free. Or whatever movies at gmail.com. Follow us at or whatever movies on Instagram. We love to hear from you. Though not a direct request, this review is made in part for our friend and listener, Derek. Hi, Derek. And we'd love to cover your movies. So let us know uh, what you want to hear from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm going to find a mob. A seven-nation army couldn't hold me back. They're going to rip it off. Taking their time right behind my back. And I'm talking to myself at night because I can't forget. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. 
We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts, and hear the culture. Electrocast. Electrocast.